Hello, everyone, and welcome back inside the home office. I'm Craig D'Amico, and this is NEC Football on the Run. This past weekend of NEC Football action was almost like a statement Saturday. The top teams with championship aspirations all trying to send a message to the rest of the Northeast Conference. Yeah, it's our time. It's our year. We had three matchups on the docket, all conference games, and all of them resulted in one of the teams, yeah, definitely making a statement. But that's jumping to the end. Let's start at the beginning. Here's this week's top headlines. We call it the pick six. The biggest and most intriguing game in Northeast Conference action this past weekend was a 1 p.m. kick at Campus Field in Fairfield, Connecticut. It was the 3-0, 1-0 in conference play, Stonehill Skyhawks taking on the 3-2, 1-0 in conference play, two-time reigning and defending NEC champion Sacred Heart Pioneers. The game was a sellout. They brought in temporary bleachers and ended up with a record crowd of over 10,000 fans on hand to watch this marquee matchup. We go to the second quarter, Sacred Heart already up 3-0. Jalen Madison gets lost in the trenches for a second and then bursts free, cuts back up the middle, and ends up in the end zone. A 22-yard touchdown run, and Sacred Heart goes up by 10. Now, don't forget about Stonehill. They came in with the number one offense in the NEC, 429 yards per game. Quarterback Asher Karaha finds Tom Camella for a big play, 46-yard score, and the Skyhawks, after their bye week last week and three of the last four weeks, they just keep on scoring. It's 10-7. A short time later, Sacred Heart running back Malik Grant at the goal line where he's been in these goal-to-go situations all year long. He's no stranger to the goal line. He puts it in, capping off an eight-play, 72-yard drive to put the Pioneers back in front by 10, and Sacred Heart would go on to lead 20-7 to at the half. Now, Sacred Heart quarterback Marquez McCray, we'll talk about him a little bit more in a second. He had himself an afternoon in the third quarter. He runs it in from three yards out to make it 27-7, setting up a wild final few seconds of the third quarter. Cameron Alves caught a four-yard touchdown pass from Caraja, and Stonehill got back in it, down 13, just five seconds left in the third quarter. Then after a touchback on the next play and the final play of the third Marquez McCray, maybe with the throw of his life, he hits LJ Haskett deep down the middle in stride, 75 yard touchdown, Sacred Heart up for good. They're up 34 14. They would go on to win it 40 to 27. Remember all those Sacred Heart offensive issues back from the start of the season? Yeah, I don't either. 594 yards of total offense against Stonehill. McCray was slinging it around yard, the yard all afternoon, a career-high 405 yards, passing most of it going to Kenneth Womack, who had a career-high 173 yards receiving. And L.J. Haskell, we saw, caught that big touchdown pass, a career-high 135 yards receiving as well. The Pioneers now improved to 2-0 in NEC play. They've won 13 straight games at Campus Field, the fourth longest win streak in the nation. Now for headline number two, we want to focus on our former guest and soon-to-be-again guest, Sacred Heart quarterback Marquez McCray, the senior in his third season as the starting quarterback for Sacred Heart from St. Joseph's High School out in Philly, set a new career high with 405 passing yards on 21 for 30 passing, besting the total of 274 passing yards he had two weeks ago against Dartmouth. And don't forget, he also ran in for a touchdown as well. 
Now his passing yardage total fell just nine yards shy of the Sacred Heart single game passing record held by Dale Fink, who threw for 414 against Albany back in 2010. Now besides, uh, behind McCray rather, the Pioneers scored on four of the first six possessions against Stonehill and reached 40 points for the first time since November 2019. McCray was named the winner of the New England Football Writers Golden Helmet Award this past week, and it capped off an incredible weekend for the city of brotherly love. Eagles 6-0, Phillies in the NLCS, and one of their own, Marquez McCray, 405 yards passing and a big, big game, big weekend to lead the Pioneers to a win. Up next, we go out to Dwayne Stadium in New Andover, Massachusetts for the ESPN three game of the week from this past weekend, the Wagner Seahawks and the Merrimack Warriors. The Warriors, they've been on a roll, winning their last three games in a row coming in, but it was the Seahawks who struck first in this game. Zachary Palmer Smith fighting his way in from four yards out for his first career score, and Wagner finds themselves in front 7-0. The Warriors, they would get a spark from their defense. Wagner backed up in the shadow of their own goalpost. Merrimack brings the pressure and Brandon Roberts sacks Nick Cardman for a safety. Then after the free kick, Victor Dawson goes to work. First, a run of 38 yards off the right tackle, down the sideline to the nine-yard line. And then two plays later, Dawson finishes off what he started, a two-yard touchdown run and Merrimack quickly ahead nine to seven. Little later on, key third and seven for the Seahawks. And just like he did last week, how about their wide receiver, Naeem Simmons? He made a grab in the middle of the field, the defender all over him, but the defender goes down and Simmons goes off. 54 yards in the blink of an eye down the field. Eventually, he's caught from behind down inside the 10-yard line. And two plays later, it's Ricky Sproul with a two-yard score and Wagner back in front 14 to nine, they would lead 14 to 12 at the half. The Seahawks had their best half of football all season long, and thoughts were rising that perhaps this would be the day that Wagner would secure their first victory since 2019. But then the third quarter happened, and Merrimack had other ideas. They went to their ground game heavy with their ground game, and they were so dominant in their win against Duquesne. They ran for 256 yards and over five yards for carry. And they were dominant on the ground again against the Seahawks. Opening minute of the second half, Victor Dawson, a one-yard touchdown run, his second of the day. Five minutes into the second half, Tyvon Edmonds Jr. with a four-yard touchdown run. And then Dawson completes the hat trick with one minute to play in the third, his third touchdown of the day and his second of the quarter. But Dawson wasn't done. He'd get one more midway through the fourth. Dawson with the fourth, a 34-yard touchdown. Merrimack will get another touchdown run after that by Tyvon Edmonds. They'd go on to victory 54-17. to So 42 second-half points for the Warriors, 309 total rushing yards. So they bested what they did last week against Duquesne by about 50 yards. Edmonds had 140 on the ground with two touchdowns. Dawson had 128 with four scores. And speaking about four, Merrimack has now won four in a row. They're 3-0 against the Northeast Conference, their first 3-0 start in league play since joining the NEC. After a bye week last week, the Red Flash were looking to get to 3-0 in conference play as well as they visited the LIU Sharks on Long Island. With the game tied at seven, the Red Flash used the second quarter to sprint away 
quarterback Cole Doyle connects a 49-yard touchdown pass to Elijah Surratt, a quick play strike to give St. Francis the lead. Then later in the quarter, Jordan Jackson, he runs it in from 10 yards out. They'd add on a late field goal as time expired to go up 23-7 at the half. Now, a little history on the first red flash drive of the second half. Kicker Alex Schmoke hits a 50-yard field goal, only the fourth field goal of 50 or more yards in St. Francis program history. The red flash would tack on four more touchdown runs. It was a big weekend for rushing yards in, in the ground game in all these games. In all, 50 unanswered points for St. Francis. They would win it 57-7, to the final. Cole Doyle, in his first start of the season, went 15 for 22, 273 yards and a touchdown pass. But the story was the ground game, 281 rushing yards and six rushing touchdowns, part of an afternoon where they collected 554 yards of total offense overall, their most in a single game since October of 2015. Lavelle Armstead ran 10 times for a team leading 85 yards and two touchdowns. Kishon Holmes ran for two touchdowns as well. And Elijah Surratt had just two catches, but for 97 yards and a touchdown. The Red Flash 3-0 in league play. They win their third in a row. They're off to their best start against the NEC since 2016. And, oh, by the way, who won a share of the league title back in 2016? Oh, yeah, that's right. They did. We move on to headline number five, St. Francis playmaker, freshman wide receiver, Makai Jackson, who we talked a bunch about over the last few weeks, had a relatively quiet game on Saturday by his incredible standards. He only had seven catches for 72 yards, and he was shut out of the end zone, but he was not shut out of honors. An NCAA.com article named Jackson as the midseason favorite for the Jerry Rice Award, which is given to the most outstanding freshman in FCS each year. Jackson has 46 catches for 524 yards and five touchdown receptions. He has a kick return touchdown as well in his six games, and he still stands among the national leaders in receiving top five in receptions per game and top 25 in yards per game. And finally, to wrap up the week, we said it at the start of the show, it definitely was a statement Saturday by the NEC's heavyweights this past weekend, and perhaps a statement by some of the top title contenders here in 2022. Sacred Heart, St. Francis, Merrimack, all with convincing wins, and the NEC standings have those three teams at the top. Merrimack and St. Francis, both 3-0, while Sacred Heart is 2-0 in league action. Get a good look at that, though, because the three unbeatens at the top of the standings won't last for long because Sacred Heart plays Merrimack head-to-head -head coming up this weekend, and we'll have more on that game coming up later on in the show. Stonehill sits in the middle at 1-1, one one, while Duquesne, Central, LIU, and Wagner are all at 0-2. Time now for our top three stars of the week, and we start with number three, Merrimack running back Tylon Edmonds, Jr., the sophomore from White Plains, Maryland, was actually the Warriors' leading rusher last year as a freshman with 250 yards for the entire season. He ran for a career-high 140 and two touchdowns just on Saturday. In the post-game of the ESPN3 broadcast, Edmonds gave credit to his offensive line and his conditioning during practice to allow him to seemingly get stronger as a ball carrier the later the game goes on. Edmonds, a big part of the Warriors, racking up 309 rushing yards in a single afternoon. The other big part of it, our number two star of the week, Merrimack running back Victor Dawson. He must like playing on ESPN3. He had 124 yards and two touchdowns last week against Duquesne, 
and 128 yards on 19 carries with four touchdowns this past weekend against Wagner. Dawson overall has nine rushing scores on the year, which is top 10 in the nation with eight of those nine touchdowns just coming over the last four weeks. And our top star is Sacred Heart quarterback Marquez McCray. McCray had a career-high 405 passing yards on Saturday against Stonehill with 21 completions and a 70% completion percentage. McCray had a 75-yard touchdown pass and a touchdown run to help lead Sacred Heart to a perfect 2-0 start in league action. Just over the last three weeks, all wins, McCray is 69 for 93. That's a 74% completion percentage. He has 855 passing yards. That's 285 per game. And he has three passing touchdowns to go with three rushing touchdowns. McCray has come alive. The Sacred Heart offense has come alive. And McCray is once again our top star of the week. And up next here on NEC Football on the Run, we are joined by Sacred Heart quarterback Marquez McCray is back with us for a second time. Marquez, we're glad we didn't scare you off the first time. Glad you could rejoin us here this week. No, thank you for having me. I appreciate it. Now, now, now since the last time we talked, I want to go over some of these numbers. The last three games, 74% completion percentage for you. 285 yards per game, three passing touchdowns, three rushing touchdowns. So since that Dartmouth game, what's changed for you? What's changed for your offense? Um, I think of our offense, you know, we just came together. Um, we had a couple of team meetings, you know, we figured out uh, what we think we're good at, where we need to, you know, uh, better ourselves at. And I feel like we've been able to excel in a, a few key areas. You know, our offensive line has been playing great. Our running game, you know, every running back has been able to bring what they can to the table and then, our receivers have been doing a fantastic job as well. Now for you this past weekend, a career high 405 yards passing. I'd like to know, cause I'll, I'll never know. What's it like to throw 405 yards? I mean, really like, how's your arm? Did you have to like ice it down or anything? How, how was, how'd that feel? No, it felt great. I didn't even realize, you know, during the game I had that many and, you know, I threw a short pass to Kenny and he took it for 70 yards, you know, a lot of quick little dump off passes in it. Our series, you know, racked up a lot of yards after the catch. So honestly, I mean, I feel fine. You know, offensive line pretty great, and our receivers they did a lot of the work. So I feel, I feel great. <laughs> well, you kind of took my next question right out of my mouth there because you know while the game's going on, yeah, you had you know the big play and, and whatnot, and you had some receivers who had some big days as well. But you know, so while the game was going on, you had, you really didn't have any idea where you were at. No, you know, during the game, we're just trying to focus on, you know, the next drive, the next play, and the next series, you know, just trying to get into the end zone. So during the game, I didn't even realize, and then after, you know, everyone made a big deal about it. But honestly, it wasn't even me. It was just everything was clicking. And now one of your receivers who had a big day, Haskett, he caught the 75-yarder that you mentioned. You know, it looked like, you know, right down the middle of the field, in stride, picture perfect. Was that the best throw of your life? Or can you think of, oh, I remember a throw where, where it was better than that? I mean, yeah, I think that definitely has to be up there. LJ's been, you know, itching and scratching to get an opportunity to make a big play. And then it came to him and he, you know, he just ran and caught the ball. So, yeah, definitely is definitely up there as one of my best throws. <laughs> now, last time you were here with us on the show, we talked about the atmosphere. It was your first home game, homecoming at Campus Field. But this past week, it's like they, they took it to another level. They brought in temporary bleachers. There was 10,000 yeah. people there. 13 straight wins for you guys. So certainly a, a home field advantage. What, what, what is it like for you, you know, this past weekend and, and playing your games there at Campus Field? You know, it feels like every weekend that we play at home, you know, the venue can't get bigger. And then the next week, somehow it gets bigger. There's more people, you know, they brought in more stands. So, you know, I mean, I just feel like playing at home or in front of our loved ones, our family members, you know, alumni come back to watch, you know, you just feel everyone, 
they just want to see our best and we just want to give them our best. So, I mean, playing at home, just feel, it feels phenomenal. Now, how, how long was it from the celebration to now the attention turning to Merrimack? Because a huge game coming up this weekend, they're off to their best start uh, in the league. So, you know, A, how quickly did you shift gears and focus on them? And B, when you did focus on them, what kind of stands out to you? Yeah, you know, winning a college football game at any level is hard. So we definitely enjoyed it on Saturday. And then we came back to work on Sunday. We had lifts. We watched films. So it was a quick turnaround for sure. Merrimack's a great team, and they're off to a hot start. So, you know, we definitely need to uh, switch our gear and focus, you know, get ready for the next week. And, and really, not, not just this week, but, you know, these next three games, it's almost like a gauntlet with Merrimack and St. Francis and Duquesne. I mean, you guys are, you know, your goal, we said it before, is, is to win that third straight title. And it seems like the next three weeks is really going to go a long way to determining that. Would you agree? Yeah, I definitely would agree. You know, it feels like, you know, we worked the entire year for these, you know, meaningful games in October and November, and we're just happy to be in a position where, you know, the games matter. So definitely uh, it'll be good. It'll be good for us. All right. Now we have some rapid fire for you. You know the drill. We're going to throw some <laughs> questions at you. And the first thing okay. that comes to mind, all right? Okay. All right. So a uh, little trivia question to start with. Which quarterback is currently leading the NEC in overall passing yards? Um, if I had to guess, I would think I would say maybe me. That is you. Very good. Congratulations. <laughs> We're one for one. All right. What is your favorite and least favorite Halloween candy? Okay. Favorite Halloween candy. I'm going to have to go Reese's Pieces. And I, I cannot stand candy corn. I don't know why that's a thing. So definitely my least favorite. <laughs> there you go. You're two for two. That's the right answer. Congratulations. <laughs> Um, now, it, it, it seems improbable, you know, almost two months ago over the summer, but what if I told you two months ago, the Phillies would be in the NLCS and the Eagles would be 6-0, and which one would seem more improbable? Uh, definitely the Phillies. You know, we were going through a, a cold streak, you know, we got hot towards the end when it really counted. So definitely the Phillies seemed improbable. So, yeah, I'm very excited. You know, we got some good, good sports teams in Philadelphia right now. It's a good time. Phillies in the NLCS, Eagles undefeated, McCray slinging around 400 yards. I mean, yeah. there's a lot, lot going good with Philly right now. Yeah. Um, what, what's your your go-to song on your warm-up playlist? My go-to song it has to be anything Drake. You know, I kind of go by the vibe of the day. You know, keep keep my uh, keep me on my toes. So definitely anything Drake that would definitely get me going. <laughs> okay. Now, and, and finally, you know, last time we were here, we talked about pizza toppings for your offensive linemen. But this time I want to talk about toppings for you. What are your go-to toppings on your cheesesteak? On my cheesesteak? Oh, I get everything. I get onions, American cheese, mayo, ketchup, anything. I'm, I'm, I'm going to eat it. <laughs> All right, there we go. Well, Marquez, he's the, he's the league leader in passing yards. He's coming off a career day on Statement Saturday with the win over Stonehill. But like he said, now back to work. The three-game gauntlet starts with Merrimack this weekend on NEC Front Row. Marquez, thank you so much for joining us, and we hope to see you on the other side after uh, these big three games coming up. <laughs> no, thank you for having me. For today's Stat Chat, we're going to go around the league and look at the individual leaderboards as we're past just about the halfway point of the season. We start with the ground game, and again, the ground game, having some big games, especially this past weekend. Running backs have had some big days in the NEC this year, and leading the way is Sacred Hearts Malik Grant, who has 507 total yards on the ground. Now, Victor Dawson from Merrimack, as we mentioned earlier, he not only leads the NEC with nine touchdowns, but he's also top 10 in the country. When it comes to passing, Marquez McCray from Sacred Heart is the league leader in passing yards, 13-13 
1,313 yards. He also has the highest completion percentage for a quarterback who's been the primary starter at 65.2%. Cole Doyle from St. Francis actually leads the league in completion percentage, but he's been splitting time and only started his first game just this past weekend. The leader in touchdown passes is still Stonehill's Asher Karaha with 10. He added three more touchdown passes and zero picks in that game this past weekend against Sacred Heart. In receiving, St. Francis freshman Makai Jackson leads the league in both receptions and yards with 46 for 524. He has five touchdowns with his one, which is one shy of the league lead. Duquesne's Abdul Jenna leads the league with six. On the defensive end, Todd Hill from Duquesne leads the NEC and is fifth in the country with six and a half sacks. Prior to the Merrimack game, he had multiple sacks in three straight games. Victor Nelson from LIU and Gary Rosemont Jr. from Merrimack are tied for the league lead with four picks. Well, that's a look around the NEC, our league leaderboard, some of the top offensive and defensive categories as part of this week's Stat Chat. All eight NEC teams are in action coming up this week, including four head-to-head conference battles. Let's check out what's coming up on tap. The fun starts on Friday night. Under the lights atop Grimes Hill, the LIU Sharks taking on the Wagner Seahawks, 7 p.m. start time on ESPN3. Now, Wagner and LIU are two of the 11 winless teams currently in FCS, so whoever wins will take their name off that list, and for Wagner, they're looking to end a 26-game skid. Their last win was September 28, 2019, a home ESPN free game against LIU. Now, both teams feature playmakers. For Wagner, wide receiver Naeem Simmons, who's had some big receptions the last two weeks and currently leads the league with 91 receiving yards per game. LIU will counter with Victor Nelson in the secondary, who will hope to try and contain Simmons. That should be a great matchup to watch. Then on Saturday, first, the two teams who were off this past weekend will go head-to-head against each other this weekend with a high noon kickoff, the Central Connecticut State Blue Devils hosting the Duquesne Dukes. Stonehill will visit and look to bounce back against a red-hot, red-flash team in Loretto, 1 p.m. on ESPN3. Both teams are averaging over 400 yards of total offense on the season. But then we get to our game of the week, a 1 p.m. kick from Dwayne Stadium in North Andover, Massachusetts, the 4-2, 2-0 in conference, two-time reigning and defending NEC champion, the Sacred Heart Pioneers, taking on the 5-2, 3-0 in conference play, Merrimack Warriors. Now, Sacred Heart has found their groove the last three weeks. All wins, they've averaged 460 yards and 36.3 points per game after averaging 261 yards and about 7.7 points per game the first three weeks. So quite a difference the first three weeks to the last three weeks. Marquez McCray is the league's leading passer. Malik Grant is the league's leading rusher. And not let all these bright offense numbers distract you from the fact that their defense is still pretty good. It might be the strength of their team. Sacred Heart has allowed the fewest yards per game in the NEC, only 315 per outing, and they're a top 20 scoring defense in the nation, only allowing 18.7 points per game. Now Merrimack's going to try and counter with an effective one-two punch in the ground game that has worked so well for them the last couple of weeks. Victor Dawson, Tylon Edmonds Jr. Now consider, on September the 16th, Merrimack's overtime loss to Harvard. They ran in that entire game, which went into overtime for a combined total 
of negative 26 yards. But then quarterback Gavin McCusker took over. Merrimack committed to that run game, and their rushing numbers have gone up each of the last four weeks. All wins. 172 against Delaware State. 175 against LIU. 256 against the Dukes. And 309 this past week against Wagner. And Dawson, he's been a magnet for the end zone. Nine total rushing scores, which is top 10 in the nation. On the line in this game, well, for Merrimack, they're looking for their fifth straight win and to go to 4-0 in league play for the first time. It would be Merrimack's first win over Sacred Heart with both teams at the FCS level. And it would be Sacred Heart's first NEC loss since last year's conference opener against Bryant. A win for Merrimack with the Warriors would stay in first place either alone or with St. Francis, pending on the result of the red flash game. Remember, St. Francis and Merrimack, they don't meet head-to-head until the final game of the regular season this year. Now on the other side, at stake for Sacred Heart, they're looking to win their ninth straight conference game, their fourth straight game this year overall, and move themselves to 3-0 in conference, assuring that they would be in first place either in sole possession or with St. Francis before they then turn around and play St. Francis in a game next Saturday at Campus Field. Well, that'll just about do it for this week's episode. It's so great to have Marquez McCray back with us here on this week's show. He got all the right answers. He did a great job. And of course, uh, the Philly connection, extra special to have him here with us this week, considering uh, things are going pretty well for Philly right now. And I think that might be rubbing off on him and the rest of the Sacred Heart Pioneers who are getting ready for a big matchup coming up this weekend against Merrimack that you'll be able to see on NEC front row. Really two of the hottest teams in the league throw St. Francis in there as well. But uh, Sacred Heart, Merrimack, winner will stay in first place in the NEC. The loser will suffer their first conference loss of the year. And then don't forget, we have an ESPN3 doubleheader coming up this weekend, starting on Friday night with Wagner and LIU, two Empire State teams going head-to-head under the Friday night lights. And then on Saturday afternoon, it's Stonehill looking to bounce back against St. Francis. Can they cool down the red flash? We will find out. So much going on. It's a big weekend coming up. All eight teams in action, four head-to-head conference battles. We can't wait to be back here with you next week to recap it all. Until then, I'm Craig D'Amico, and this has been NEC Football on the Run.